Welcome to the Behind the Vision podcast. It has been a little while, so thank you so much for tuning in. In this episode with David, we talk about where his generosity comes from, the experience of raising kids, and life in India. Hope you enjoy the show. David, I was chatting with Steve, um, Steve Weigel before this morning, and I was like, yo, what, what kind of question would be good to ask David? And he's like, maybe ask him around like why he's so nice and where that comes from. <laughs> so I would love if you would maybe be able to share a little bit on like where your generosity comes from and sure. why you share that with others. Sure. Yeah, Steve. He's a good guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if people who know my parents would probably understand right away, uh, I just think um, both my parents have this uh, ridiculous love for people. And so, you know, my dad, um, missionary, and has he grew up in India, came to the U.S. Um, for school. That's where I met my mom. And then their whole relationship and marriage and um, kind of existence has been about helping people. And so, and I grew up with that um, as a part of that family and, and just like seeing my dad's heart for uh, the people in India has, I think, just kind of shaped me into uh, who I am. And, um, and I would say that's probably the main reason. I also, I, I, and I do feel like I have a, a genuine love uh, for people and even like a gift to to want to see people really like reach their full potential mm -hmm. and so and and I just feel like I get so much joy from like helping people um, and a lot of that is just kind of like day-to-day -day, you know being a nice person yeah I guess you, you yeah. have a kid too yeah too right yeah so I suppose that that gives you like a good perspective on, you know, like raising a young kid and experiencing life that way and mm -hmm. being able to show love to other people too. Because mm -hmm. you have to actually like care for that person. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, like I'm still trying to get the hang of it. I mean, my daughter is going to be turning four this month. Um, and my son is, I think he's eight months now. And so, um, and that does really change you uh mm. in a lot of ways it's just it's a completely new season uh for you when that happens in your life mm -hmm. and so yeah 100 percent, that definitely has had uh, a shift and change in my life and and really um just kind of valuing the human life more for sure yeah like how would you say that's maybe changed or impacted your life just like through having kids mm -hmm. like maybe who you were before and then maybe who you are now comparing the two. Yeah. Oh man, there, there are a lot of things that change. I would say the biggest one is, um, experiencing this kind of like new level of love, uh, that I have never experienced before. You know, I'm married, of course, love my wife and, um, and that is, you know, a super special thing. And when you fall in love, you really get to experience new levels of human connection. Um, <clears throat> and then it's almost like, man, how can you love anything anymore than how I do now? And then when you have a kid, it's like this whole new level of like, man, I love this person so much, this little human that I created. And it's like the smallest, tiniest little thing that they do, like no one else cares. And like, I'll like show a video, she's like, oh, this is what my daughter said the other day. And they're just like, Oh, yeah, that's cute. <laughs> but it's like my absolute favorite thing. And so, um, yeah, kids kids teach you just new levels uh, of love and, and appreciation and um, just value in human life. And I also, like, I had to make quite a bit of shifts in um, you know, priorities, I guess, is the word for it. I, like, uh, I'm a very social person. Um, extrovert if people are hanging out I like need to be there and you know like when you're a single person you can do that you know you, it's like if you want to do something you gotta do it there's nothing you know that's stopping you um, 
and that shifts a little bit when you're in a relationship with someone, uh, and then especially when you're married, you're, you know, oh, you know, hey, can I go hang out with these people? And there's a little bit of accountability there or uh, planning. And, and then also just when you're in a relationship, things get busier because everyone wants both of you to be a part of activities. And so I'm doing a lot of stuff with her family, her friends. She's doing stuff with my family, my friends. Um, but it's not like the biggest shift. And then when you have kids, it's like everything about your the way that you live your life kind of time-wise shifts around like someone always has to be watching the kids between either you or your wife or both both of you or you have to find someone to do it and so thankfully we have uh, both my family and, and her family are around and so that that's super nice too but also that has been a big shift in just kind of like really really prioritizing the way that you spend your time um and like yeah, and, and who you give that time and energy to. And so, which is good. It kind of, it helps refine um, just like the things that you do in your life. It really makes you take another look at, you know, where you're putting your energy. Yeah, you have to be way more productive, like with your time, because there's even people in Secret HQ office over in North Loop that have kids and like they're, they're in and out at specific times. I mean... Generally, people our age, you know, if we don't have kids, we can stay in there longer. We can work longer. Maybe we can be more lenient with our time during the day. But, I mean, if you have kids, you have to, like, be out at, like, mm-hmm. four or five sometimes unless you have them go to, like, a babysitter or something <clears throat> like that or mm-hmm. someone to watch them. So it's just, like, a, it's just refining and making you look at your time more carefully mm-hmm. because you have to go home and mm-hmm. watch your kids and, like, take care of them. It's, like... It's interesting, too, because talking to other people, if we know they have kids, that's almost like a free pass of whatever. It's like, oh, I have kids. Oh, OK. Totally. Like, you got oh, it. Yeah, like, totally. Go. You know? Totally. So. Well, and, and which is good. I think, you know, people understand that your family is a priority. Not everyone does, but most most people understand, like, when you have kids, they end up, you know, really being the priority. You're, like, responsible for like how these kids survive and how they turn out. And, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, like, I have friends who are like, they just see the nightmare, uh, the nightmares that come out of having kids and they think to themselves like, Oh man, I don't, I never want to have kids. And, um, and I would say, and, and it's easier to, to have that perspective when you don't have kids because it's, you know, it's easy for us to kind of like vent about how hard things are. Um, but it's like the the good parts about having kids and having a family like a thousand times outweigh the challenges. Mm-hmm. And so we just don't talk as much about the good things. It's easier to just kind of complain and be <laughs> like, oh, man, now I got kids. I got to go home and can't yeah. do that. And but that's funny. Yeah. So how old were you when you had your first kid? Um, uh, Layla is about four so four years ago I was um 25 25 okay mm-hmm. were you nervous at all knowing you were gonna have a kid um mm-hmm. yeah what was that kind of like that stage of knowing you're gonna have a kid to actually having a kid yeah nervous is a good word excited is a good word um we uh we were married for about two years um before we had a kid which I'm super super thankful for that time, you know, some mm-hmm. people they get married and they're pregnant right away, and so it's like, um, not that that's bad or anything. I just know for us, it's it was super um, foundational to our relationship to have those few years um, of marriage, just just me and my wife before kids came along, um, and so it was a good time. Um, we weren't like planning, planning, planning to have kids during that time, um, but we were like, you know, we. We were waiting for us to be out of an apartment and into our own place. And so we had been in our own place for a year um, mm. when when we found out we were pregnant. And so, yeah, I mean, we were we were as ready as you can be. But I just don't think anyone is actually fully ready when a kid happens. You just it's a lot of figuring it out when it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty nice. I think I think I mean, it's interesting to hear your perspective, because as myself and other people my age are like listening they may be approaching that age of like beginning to have kids so it's 
interesting to hear like your experience mm-hmm. through that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah and um, for those listening, it's the best thing ever. I love, love, love my daughter and my son and it's just so much fun and they bring so much joy and just new experiences to my life. And yeah, I know it's scary but <laughs> and your life changes in a big way, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's all worth it. Yeah, I think this generation, I think I'm Gen Z, I think they're pushing more to like have kids later in life. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's a lot of younger people. They're trying to have kids later in life because they want to experience a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like nerve wracking to like think about having a girlfriend, having a wife and then having a kid almost like too early because there's stuff you want to experience and you know the commitment that a kid would bring. Totally. Um, yeah. And I, and I would say that's, that's valid. Like I, that is something that me and my wife talk about is like, man, I wish we did more things like before, like we were very smart with our money and not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be smart with your money, but like out of college, we both were working jobs and we like, you know, we didn't take a whole lot of trips. Like we went to India and Mexico, a couple of things, but there's like stuff that we could have done but didn't just to be kind of smarter about our finances. And then um, and then when kids came along, it's just like, oh, man, we're we're not going to be able to do that stuff for 18 years, you know, until mm-hmm. our kids off to off to school. And so uh, that would be a piece of advice is like that's a good thing to mm-hmm. do stuff and to understand that your life is going to change um, when you do have kids. And so, yeah, don't don't be stupid uh, or unwise, but like. If there's stuff that you want to do and you know that you want to do, like, get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up 18 years. I think there's a lot of things in life that you'll have to do that will require a commitment of you, whether that be working for X amount of years, um, going to school for X amount of years, doing things for a consistent period of time. And it's like when you have a kid, you're committed to this kid for 18 years. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, no matter what. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. And which does really like, I mean, every, like kids change so quickly and every year, you know, like a three month old baby is way different than a seven month old kid, way different than a two year old kid, way different than a 16 year old kid. You know, like they have their seasons that they go through and, and that also, you know, frees you up in some ways, but also occupies you in other ways. And so every season is different. Um, but you know, like, um, Jeremy over at honest, just in the past year or so, our kids are getting old enough to actually watch each other. And so they're like, they can actually leave the house and do stuff without having to, you know, find someone to watch their kids. And like, so they're, it's not like total 18 years of the same kind of commitment. Um, but Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. That's interesting. Um, you mentioned that, so your dad's from India. Mm-hmm. Were you born in India or were you born in the States? Um, I was almost born in India. I would think, so I was born here in Minnesota. And then um, I think I was like three months old when we moved to India for the first time. And so I, my first um, year and a half of my life um, was was in India. Oh, then, so you, where you moved your parents were back here mm-hmm. in the States and then you moved back to India mm-hmm. for like, a year and a half. Okay. I mean, my whole life we've been back and forth between India. I've spent quite a bit of my, like probably 50% of my summers. And so like we, we, I was born here, moved to India for a year and a half or so, came back to the United States for a few years and then moved back to India for another year and a half when I was maybe five. Uh, I remember going to first grade first grade in, in India, which is, which is super funny. Whoa. What's funny That's about that cool. is they, uh, English is like the universal language of India. There's like thousands of languages depending on the region you're from, but everyone's second language is English. And so, so a lot of the, uh, kind of elementary school years, um, they're just learning English and all I knew was English. And so I'd like mm-hmm. go to first grade and I mean, yeah, this is an apple. And this, this is, this <laughs> is an orange. Excelling. Like, yeah, I remember like flying through my tests, handing it to my teacher and being like, you know, can I, can I go on the playground while everyone else <laughs> finishes their stuff? And so, which then I ended up, you know, I, I think half a year of that. And then my parents decided to homeschool since we weren't really learning anything. Hmm. Um, but 
Yeah. Yeah. So I had some, some experiences in my life, um, over there. And then, and then probably like every other summer we would go move there for two, three months. Um, and then during college, I went almost every year, uh, just for like my, my winter, uh, break from school. And so Dang, that's awesome. Yeah. So do you still have family over um, there that you don't see or yes. So, I mean, my dad, my dad was actually stuck in India during COVID, you know, for like a full year, over a year, he was there for 2020. Um, but my dad is back and forth quite a bit. My mom goes every year. Most of my uncles and aunts from India have moved to the U.S., um, but they are also similar, as, you know, as my family. They're also back and forth between India and the U.S. And so I think currently all of my family is in the U.S., um, except for maybe my dad's brother is in India right now. But. Okay. That's interesting. It seems like your family will go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, Is that something that's common in um, that culture or is it something that you really enjoy about India that you go back mm-hmm. there so much? Yeah. So I don't, I mean, for, I don't think for either Indian culture or a U.S. culture, that's super common. Uh, I think it's pretty common for like the ministry world, uh, being that we were, we were ministry family. Um, and so, you know, there, most of the times we moved to India, the plan was for us to live there permanently and like grow up there. Um, but then some, you know, different for different reasons, different circumstances, we ended up coming back and living most of our lives here in the U.S. But um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's weird for sure. I don't meet I don't meet a lot of people who have um, a similar kind of experience as I have um, with my childhood. Super thankful for it. Of course, there were, you know, challenges, you know, like there were, my dad would be gone for months at a time and sometimes, you know, like many, many um, different seasons of my life where my dad was in India and and we were here in the U S. And so that was also not always fun. Um, but I also know how thankful, you know, we are to have the experiences of like having this global perspective, you know, like India is a developing country. It's a whole nother world from the U S you know, I don't know any, there are other countries that are similar, but it's just like, there's over a billion people in the country and it's like, it's just such a wildly different culture. And so for me to have that, uh, experience growing up, uh, I think gave me a lot of great and unique perspective. Um, and you know, of course, super, super thankful for the, the um, culture and experience that I've had here in the U S too. And so, yeah. Yeah. Traveling outside of the U S is, super beneficial just to like your perspective like you're saying because you think in the u.s like it's just the u.s almost like you 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 know there's countries overseas and different things like that but you never actually like understand there's there's actually people over here that are just like you and me going about their Mm day-to-day that are like generally a lot of nice people um generally people so the the everyday life of a person in India just like looks so different than your everyday life, you know, here in the U.S. And, and you can say the same about every every culture and even subcultures here within the U.S. There's a lot of different cultures and subcultures that are different here. And so mm-hmm. people just live different lives than, yeah. than the one that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like growing up in India compared to the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um it, there were a lot of differences uh, because of the culture, but I also think we were in a unique situation where it was like we weren't fully, you know, used to Indian culture. Like I would say I wasn't um, Indian by culture. I was very American, uh, westernized by culture. And so our lives looked a little bit differently than just like your normal Indian family. Um, but I would say, I mean... The main differences, there's so many, so I'm having a hard time figuring out even where to start, but it was just like, um, yeah, maybe if you like go through maybe a day in your life of like a certain age that you remember. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, one of my favorite seasons there in India was when I must've been 13 or 14. Um, we had a summer there where my dad got these two mopeds. Um, we were there for, you know, three months and it was during the summer. Uh, so it was like 110 degrees, 
every day. You know, it was like that, that's like a normal day at, at 10 a.m. And so we lived right by the ocean um, and oh. then like not too far from our house, maybe 15 minute drive. Um, there was this like Olympic pool uh, where people would go and train, but it was like open to the public during the summer. And so almost every day we would either go to the ocean, just just me and the brothers. Like I would they didn't care too much about laws at the time. <laughs> and so, you know, me and my brother, I was 14 or 15. He was 16 or 17. Get on the moped uh, driving. And then my other two younger brothers or four of us would uh, I would take one of my younger brothers and he would take the other. And it would just be us four. And we would just head out <laughs> into the city and do whatever we wanted. Uh, with like some some rupees in our pocket and get some food and go to the ocean and swim at this pool and um there was like this thing this road called beach road right along the ocean um side that was like it was like a state fair every day you know the way that the minnesota state fair is here it was like crowds and crowds of people all alongside the the ocean and the beach and so we'd have a lot of fun going there and yeah i mean it was summer and so you know, summer as a kid, it was like, what do you do? You just, you just wake up and you goof yeah. around and just do stuff. you eat and then you, you know, go to bed and you do the same yeah. thing the next day. So, so yeah, yeah. Mm. Spent a lot of time at the ocean. I really, really miss it for sure. When was the last time you were back there? Um, I went, um, it was been a while. I went when my daughter was one. And so um, and that, that was hard for sure to be away for, for more than two weeks. Because when we go, you know, it takes a couple days to get there, just traveling. It's on the exact opposite side of the world. Like we've gone mm. both ways, east or west, to get there. And so uh, it takes a couple days to get there. And it's expensive and it, you got to make the trip worth it. And so then we're there for like a week, a week and a half. And then a couple days to get back ends up being two weeks or more um, of a trip. And that's like minimum. And so, you know, I had a full-time job at the time and the kid and so I went for two weeks and um yeah when my daughter was one and so maybe three years ago which that this has been the longest I have gone without going to India and so so I'm due a trip soon I think Ooh. yeah did you ever bring the whole family with you uh, yeah I I would love to um they when Indians see white people they get really really excited like they love Americans. And so when we bring a team there, um, it's almost like we're celebrities. Like we go around <laughs> and people are like waving and everywhere we go, people want to take pictures with us. And so, mm -hmm. so it's a bit overwhelming and, um, can definitely be stressful if you have babies with you. And mm -hmm. so we're just trying to make the right decision there. Um, and you know, it, it can, it can be pretty dangerous sometimes too. Um, you know, especially with beautiful, you know, white looking American kids, and there's a big, uh, uh, unfortunately, like uh, human trafficking mm. problem there too. And so, there's definitely some uh, some like kind of things we want to be cautious and and think about and intentional about. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, we don't know when the right time will be, um, but we're figuring that out. I'll definitely go back before the whole family goes. Um, mm. But yeah. What do you go back primarily for now? Is it to hang out? Is it for family? reasons or yeah so um bef you know before growing up it was just like you know our whole family's going we're moving there for the summer or whatever um when I kind of became more of an adult um I've been going to kind of uh help well a I I would go either way just to kind of be a part of family and see the country and uh, I love India and the people and my parents ministry and so just to kind of be a part of that for sure um, but I've actually gone to do photography and video work um, mm -hmm. to kind of documenting the trip whenever we go so okay. the trip so are you doing the trip with other people or is yep. it just by yourself okay. yeah so every year uh, other than last year because of COVID my parents church um, would would send a trip of I mean we've we've done it all different sizes a small trip would be maybe six seven people we did a really big trip, which was super fun, uh, with like a group of young adults, um, maybe 25, 25 people at that time. I don't know if you know the Yam House guys, but like oh, yeah. Lawrence and Seth and Mare were on that trip, and man, it was super fun. I'm actually hanging out with Lawrence tomorrow. They're just nice. get, they're just getting back from their tour. 
And so, yeah. And, and, uh, my wife was on that trip too. And so that was a really, really fun time. Mm. Nice. So let me think here. Did you ever go to college or not college, uh, high school in India or once you came back to no. the States, you just continue on yeah, in the States? I think, I think at like five or six years old, uh, I stopped doing schooling there. And mm -hmm. so it was just like, you know, the things that they teach in the U.S. were way different at the time for the, what they were teaching in India. And so if I did schooling in the U.S. and then tried picking it up where I left off in India, it was just too much of a disconnect. And so mm -hmm. my parents just kind of committed to schooling in the U.S. I mean, it's much better in here anyway. What kind of kid were you like in school? Oh, man. I got in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. big trouble. <laughs> I got I got in a lot of trouble. I mean, I, I mean, I was always nice and kind of respected my teacher. I loved pranking people, and um, I had like a lot. I I didn't like stick to just one kind of group of friends, which was kind of looking back later. I was like, yeah, man, I I like I had some core, you know, groups of friends, um, but I like. There's so many different seasons. And I realized this most when we were like planning our kind of wedding guest list. I was like, oh man, there's so many people that I wish I could have here that I like was super good friends with, but none of them really know each other. And so um, I was kind of all over the place in high school, kind of friend wise and did sports, but also did like choir and theater and uh, lots of those clubs and stuff. Just did it all. Tried yeah. to do it all. Even with the pranks. I mean, I, yeah. What was your coolest, what was like your best prank? Best prank. Um, oh man, what was my best, best prank? They were all really stupid. Like, like they weren't, they weren't like anything to brag on. It was more like me and my buddy would sit on different sides of the room and then I'd make some stupid whistling sound with my teeth. And then when people would like kind of look, start looking around and then look at me, I would like stop. And then my buddy on the other side of the room would start making it. And then I'd be like, what? You guys, you guys hear that sound? Oh and then when they would look at him, I would start doing it too. And then we would just like, people would just go crazy a little bit. Yeah. How <laughs> long so, were you able to keep that back and forth going? I feel like that would... Between me and my friend? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It was... I mean, we did it multiple days. So we, we would do it for maybe a couple minutes one day we probably had a good two three weeks of like bringing it back every once in a while and then we eventually got like it's these guys doing oh, that stupid thing dang. so i did i did have a history teacher who was super into the office um and i loved the office at the time too and so on our last day of his class me and my buddy stole his stapler and then put it in jello <laughs> like uh, Jim does that to yeah. Dwight and so it's kind of like a going funny. away yeah kind of like a awesome. going away prank that's awesome. and so that was fun yeah after high school did you go to college dropped out of college or no I um <clears throat> I went to UW Stout the design program there and almost got kicked out I I was like really really into the no whistling um, sound again doing, yeah yeah what that are was, you no. oh yeah <laughs> no no I uh I partied a lot kind of my senior year of high school. And then um, when I went to school, you know, one of the reasons why I picked Stout was because I heard it was this big party school and that's mm -hmm. was a big kind of priority in my life at the time. And so I went to Stout to learn how to design and to party. And, <laughs> and like that year, actually, um, they really started cracking down on the drinking problem because I think, I think there was like nine alcohol related deaths in the two years leading up to that time. And so like students were like dying because yeah. of, because of it. And so they were really cracking down on, on the party scene and you know, you're supposed to get kicked out after your third drinking ticket. I got three underage drinking tickets just my freshman year. And, and so I was, I should have been kicked out. Thankfully my hall director like really wanted, he really kind of fought for me because he's, you know, he knew that I actually did really care about my work and he was like, dude, just don't, don't like let this ruin your future and so like thankfully i had him in my life to kind of fight for me like he even went with me to like the dean of students to kind of plead my case to not get kicked out of school 
and then wrote a letter to kind of keep me around. And so mm. super thankful for him. He's the reason I didn't get kicked out of school. And then I, I met my wife sophomore year. And so thank God I didn't get kicked out of school. <laughs> my life would look a lot different if I if I did get kicked out of school that year. And so, yeah. Um, and, then I, and then I finished school um, 2014 is when I graduated uh, the degree in graphic design with emphasis on print. And then... Print. Yeah. So would print would just be the physical mm-hmm. aspect? Okay. Yeah, there were kind of like two different routes I could take. Um, emphasis on interactive media, uh, you know, which is a lot more digital web web design, app design, um, digital ads. And then I was just like so much more interested in, you know, we were just talking about the um, screen printing mm. process. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, physical you know, pamphlets, posters, flyers, <laughs> merch, um, billboards, you know, anything. You know, th- there's a whole uh, another level of experiencing a piece when it becomes physical. You know, like you can choose the weight of the paper, the coat of the paper. You know, do you want to be shiny, matte, textured, um, all of that stuff. And so anytime, you know, people always say, you know, print is dying. Um, everything's digital. And, it's and you know, maybe, maybe that's the case to some capacity, but there'll always be a physical element uh to kind of experience that i see you know it's like if you get a really heartfelt text from your buddy um you know that's very nice and Mm -hmm. great if you get like a handwritten letter in the mail that's like you'll remember that forever you know Mm -hmm. even if they say it to you in person yeah similar to the physical art aspect Mm -hmm. yeah so i just think there's a lot of uh potential that print has over digital i mean and then digital also over print um for sure but i'm way more interested in like the physical aspect i also love the idea of and i see myself as more of like an artist uh you know not so much like like a graphic designer or a director and so like i really really love to create things i do it through digital means sometimes but i'm also like printing and ripping and gluing and you know and one of my favorite classes was ceramics in college and so i love making pots and cups and just like things with my hands. Um, and so that will never change. It's just like a love of mine. It's kind yeah. of work in the physical. I have, a, I have another question on the college yeah. part, but I wanted to ask you, cause you brought up the, you know, the differences between, you know, digital and physical art. What are your thoughts on the metaverse and like mm. NFT art space? Yeah. Dude, we, I was just having a, a big conversation today about this and like, and I have, I have lots of, I don't know enough about it to, you know, really have strong feelings, I guess I do. I have similar feelings to that as I do kind of social media as a whole. I think there is some incredible potential and benefits to it. I also am super worried about the, um, the effect it's going to have on culture and humanity as a whole. And so, you know, like we were talking today about the potential to buy real estate in, mm. in this, you know, fake world that's like, but what is fake, you know? And mm-hmm. so, and if it's worth money and you get on it early enough, um, you know, like it might be stupid, but the money is real, you know? And so there's, there's opportunity. Um, and, and I don't know enough about the NFT space too. I've had lots of people reach out and ask if I'm, uh, you know, like be interested in creating them and selling them. And so, and I have a buddy who also just, he just launched his, uh, first NFT collection. I don't know if you know, mm. Tiago. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I did a little work on, on the prom- promotion for that. Um, go check it out, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, just kind of interested paying attention mm-hmm. from a distance for now and, Seeing, seeing where it goes. Yeah, I mean, you could, because you like the you like the mesh, it seems like, between the two of, like, digital and physical space, I mean, you can almost create, like, a NFT that if you purchase this digital asset, you could also give them, like, a physical asset, physical oh, yeah. version of it. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Um, so that'd be cool, because, I mean, the, the real value of... There's a lot of people that will put out NFTs... But unless you're getting something from that, I mean, you can obviously get maybe the clout from owning it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what like Gary V does with V friends and what can be even possible with if you were to sell NFTs as like event tickets, 
like you're getting something from that. Mm. Even like NFT horse racing is like really cool. Like you buy it and you can like use it type of totally. thing. Totally. Instead of you just like buy it and you're like, oh, I own it. Uh, yeah. I didn't do anything, oh, I but I own it. So yeah. Yeah. I wonder where that's going to go to because, you know, like when I first started reading about NFT, it was kind of explained to me like if you're just purchasing art, you know, the way I would go to a st- like a, a physical retail space to purchase art to hang on my wall and you have, you know, you own that piece of art now. But there's this whole digital space that, like, you know, like memes, like what are the rights around people using photos for memes or like there's there's like the whole meme culture and, um, you know, like there used to be, oh, you can't use images or graphics unless you owned it or had the rights to it. But then that kind of got really blurred and blown up over the past couple of years um, people are just like using stuff and printing memes on shirts and selling them and making tons of money off of this image that they didn't really own. And so I think the NFT is almost like a response to a, or a solution to that where it's like, who owns this weird thing that was created? You know, who has the rights to it? Because it was a photo that this person didn't have a right to in the first place, created a expression of art or modified it or changed it uh, or added sound to it. Uh, and then someone else recreated that in their own way. And so it's like NFTs then allows you to like give ownership to these non-physical works of art. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if that's what you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good perspective at looking at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like any digital work, whether that be like photo art, anything um, that could be sourced back to its owner should almost be published as nfts because then you're like oh this person owns it like when Mm -hmm. people i think that's artists like sold his nft of like all his artwork Mm -hmm. it's like well all all of the artwork prior could have almost been created as nfts through his account so that the ownership traces like back to him and he owns all of it instead of other people like taking his work and then posting it and Mm-hmm. gets into like a whole scandal yeah. type of thing. Oh yeah, dude. One of the one of the stories that I read was um like this artist became like a multimillionaire overnight and didn't even really realize it when like uh someone contacted him and said, "Hey, like you own the rights to this photo that was used in this, you know, online trend that everyone has seen." And, you know, like when a image goes viral like that, it's like everyone knows Everyone knows the image, but it's like there's no way of anyone getting credit for it mm-hmm. unless someone really owns the right the rights to that video um, or that photo or whatever it is. Um, but then like because the photo was famous and then N- NFTs were created, it then gave value to how blown up that photo was. And so like he had a right to a photo, it went viral, but how is he going to make money off of that? He's not all of a sudden these NFTs come around and someone has like the ability to own that photo that has a value because of how viral it has become. And now it's like rich people can be, you know, it's the same time. Any, anyone who spends a ton of money on a work of art, it's like, yeah, it's a beautiful piece of art, but it's also, I feel like a lot of people purchase, you know, those million dollar pieces of art just to say like, Oh, I own a, I own a Jackson Pollock painting you know just it's more of like a it's good to know that you own something that is has been kind of important or influential in the art space so yeah super interesting stuff man i don't know i don't know how involved i'll get in the future i also have friends who are getting like very deep into that and are helping people create collections and stuff and so i'll be learning about it a little bit more for sure sweet do you think nfts could almost become like the new social media in the way that it's like decentralized to like the owner so if if you own like a social media account and like for you you post a lot of art wouldn't you rather just post those as i mean obviously they cost money to post so like that's the you have to set up different accounts like open scene stuff um but i mean wouldn't you rather just post your content as an artist on like nft world and sell it so then you'd have Mm -hmm. ownership and like just thinking about how social media is curated and all the apps, it's like, why isn't TikTok, Instagram, what can almost be like a decentralized platform? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you'd want 
not Instagram and preferably not like Meta to own it all because sure. some centralization going there. But being able to like decentralize it all would be be interesting. But yeah, I mean, and I totally would if it was that easy. Like I know uh, there are platforms in which you can go and purchase purchase these NFTs and. I mean, I, I feel like most of the work that I do is like for a client. And so I don't know if it's necessarily something that, I, you know, can I sell someone's logo to someone else NFT wise? Mm -hmm. I, like, I don't think mm -hmm. so. I don't even know if I, I mean, I guess I own the rights to anything I create until mm -hmm. I sign an art release form, which I have had to do for a couple of things that I've created, but yeah. for the most part, um, I mean, if I were to start posting with the intent to sell as NFTs, I would be creating art, f you know, for the purpose of that. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, there's rights behind that. You know, like, you know, one of the one of the things on the top of my Instagram is like this uh, illustration of this octopus, but it's within like the Adidas logo. And so it's like, I don't know if I am allowed to sell that, mm -hmm. you know, because of it's not my logo <laughs> like you know yeah. and so i do think there's a level of like it needing to be an original work maybe i don't know okay yeah yeah that's that's really interesting stuff um i did want to just go back on like the college point um because you obviously had your different challenges and experiences going to college what would you say is maybe like the biggest takeaway you had going through college mm-hmm yeah, there, there's been a few big ones. Um, I would say uh, a couple a couple of quick ones would be for those who are in college right now, like really be intentional about getting intentional about getting the most out of that experience. Because especially for those in the creative field, like when I got out of college, uh, you know, I was kind of naively thinking, all right, college prepared me for how, you know, the real life is going to be. And um, and you know, like in college, we would spend weeks, if not months, on these projects. And then I get to the real world. I guess it really depends on who you're working for. But for the most part, and most of the designers that I know had a similar experience, you get to the real world, and they're like, "Hey, man, can you get this project to me by like in three days from now?" <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> like I was just taught to spend way more time and intention to do the research, to lay it out, to get, you know, feedback, to ask all your classmates and your professor and like the super deep and intentional and long and drawn out process is something that, you know, I had its deep, deep value in going into the real world. And then the real world was like, give me this design in three days. And it's like mm -hmm. very different. And so, um, and I think some people do it differently. It's not always that case, you know, that's not always the case, but, um, I do really miss the level of intention we got in, in our college courses. Um, you know, I, I have had the opportunity to have really great, solid creative process in, in a lot of my projects, thankfully, but it's not, you know, maybe a couple times a year we would, I would get into this, uh, you know, a similar process as what. I did in my college courses. And so, so I really miss that time. You also have access to like all this cool, crazy equipment. Um, and I'm speaking mostly to, to art majors, art students, you know, we had all, we could just use screen printing equipment, all that we, you know, all we wanted. There are tons of cameras you could rent for no money, you know, <laughs> just sign up and take it and try it. And so when you, when you graduate, you kind of are like, Oh man, I don't, I can't just go, screen print whenever I want. I can't mm -hmm. just go throw, you know, uh, a pot whenever I want. I need to like yeah. sign up or pay or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so make the most out of your experience there. I know a lot of people are in a rush to graduate because um, the real world is big and exciting. But I would just say you, you never get an experience like that um, outside, you know, like after college, unless you go back to college. But um, cherish those those times and make the most of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really helped you lay the foundation for like the real world. It seems like when you're thrown into situations like that, where they ask you, "Hey, can we have this within three days?" I mean, you go back to what you've already learned. I mean, obviously, you'd want and maybe prefer more of a 
methodical like process of creation for what you have to do but mm -hmm. i mean you can maybe accelerate that yes um because of the foundation you've built through going through college yes. which is super nice yeah and i think that is kind of how it works is like college is really getting into the process spraying it out understanding the importance and like and then like as you do a process obviously you get better and more efficient and more refined and um and everything and so not that you know my expectation was to do every project you know that deep and long and drawn out but um I also am really understanding that like the design, like not everyone understands the value of that creative process. And so you almost have to contend for it as the artist, which I've had to do a lot of in, in my, um, in my career. Mm -hmm. It's just like, like so many people, they'll, they'll spend a year working on music, you know, for this album. And then they'll reach out to an artist and be like, Hey man, can you give me something for tomorrow? for the album cover and it's like dude like this is going to be the visual representation of the work that you put into this album like you should be ha you know you should have a lot of value in w like how that is expressed you know because some people like people are going to see this artwork and decide whether or not they're going to listen you know it's like don't just throw something quick on there i mean as of late there has been a lot of that's been more of a trend you know you look at Kanye's album cover, Donda, Blacker. <laughs> he like recorded it all like super quick too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well Don, it's a mix of, it's a mix of uh, different lengths of processes okay. for the, the tracks, you know, like Hurricane, mm -hmm. which is the big, the big hit from that. You know, he started writing back in like 2014, like wrote for Rihanna and then recorded it multiple different times. And it was supposed to be on, um, Yandi and then didn't show up because that project got dropped and then eventually it got released. But mm -hmm. yeah, so it's like, um, but I, I'm talking specifically about like the artwork, like it's just a black, black image. And then yeah. even CLB was like the pregnant lady emojis like across, mm, like yeah. it's almost a trend now to mm -hmm. not care about your, your artwork, uh, album artwork, you know, accurately expressing the music. Um, but I wouldn't recommend that for people who are not drank and not Kanye, you know, like when you're that big, you can pull anything off and get away with it. But, but if you're not, you got to hire David here to help you knock out some artwork. Hey, I love to do it. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things to do. I love branding and kind of coming up with brands and, Ooh. and, and logos for, mm -hmm. um, companies, but like, um, and startups. But one of my favorite things to do is to like, listen, listen to music and um i can almost i can almost like hear colors and visuals that kind of come to mind when i kind of close my eyes and listen and then to take that experience and try to create it and express it is um it's so fun for me and so i do really love doing that who who would you say is your favorite artist and you know within that favorite artist what would be your favorite album sure so so uh like musical artist yeah um, Kanye is, um, top of my list. I would say I, I do have like a, like a top 100 and then, you know, obviously changing and shifting every time For sure. something new is, is released, but I am big into the hip hop R and B space. Uh, it's kind of my favorite genres. And so Kanye, uh, Kendrick, Childish Gambino, Frank Ocean, um, are some of my faves, uh, James Blake. Um, but I, I would say like Kanye, if you know me, you know, I am a big Kanye guy, not just for his music, um, but as like a creative, like he, he has, he's had more influence on me as a creative than, you know, pro probably anyone follow up would be Virgil, um, RIP Virgil. And so, and, and, and those two guys are from Chicago and they, they kind of grew up grew up together and, mm. and blew been blew up together. And so I just love that group. Um, and then Don C is, is another uh, friend of theirs who's does some design work for Nike and has his own brand. And so like, I love paying attention to kind of like the story of these like groups of creatives. Um, and so, yeah, musically Kanye, but also in the, in the, 
he does have an edge over other musicians because of his influence in other industries like fashion, architecture, and um, just like he's just so influential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Virgil passing away, that was sad mm-hmm. um, because he's not really old and um, you didn't really expect it of him. Yeah. And I've just known him just to like his work through the brands who've done like Off-White and uh, Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. too. And um, and I've seen interviews he's done on YouTube and those are really interesting. His just like mindset on the work he does around his creativity and like his vision mm-hmm. for different things. And I, re- I remember, I think I was I, either on YouTube or like TikTok and there was a video where he was talking about why he made Off-White and he did it be- to hopefully inspire like a kid to create his mm-hmm. own streetwear brand yeah. because that's why he made it too expensive. So like a kid would look to Off-White and be like, oh, this is too expensive. I'm just going to make my own. Yeah. So I thought that was like. Yeah, he says he, he to, to inspire the 17 year old version of himself. Um, it was like a big, big reason why he started Off-White. Or at least got into fashion. And so, yeah, man, it was super unexpected, especially like last week of all weeks, um, because like he he had so much going on because of Art Basel that was going on in Miami. Mm. Uh, it was That was where his, his uh, Louis Vuitton show was um, happening. He also was involved in like three or four other things that are happening that week. It was like a huge, huge week for him. Um, and Tiago, he was curating... Tiago's work actually for Art Basel and so Tiago was gonna meet him if if he hadn't passed and and maybe other other people that I knew and so it was like crazy exciting time he he was gonna do a a a lecture called Divine Design with Rich Wilkerson um Mm -hmm. and the VU team there uh in Miami um they did a whole setup and they like they like rented out a warehouse and then created the entire um warehouse interior into like the stage setup and different art expressions and it was super super cool um yeah i've seen a little bit of that yeah um, the divine design yeah yeah i'll follow i follow kind of that group a little bit just through um active and like zach windall and Mm -hmm. brand sunday and stuff so seeing that stuff was really cool um and yeah yeah yeah, so it was crazy, man. Like it, he kept his his struggle with uh, cancer pretty private. I didn't I didn't know anything about it, and so news was like, oh man, it was pretty shocking actually mm-hmm. for me. And he and he had been such a big impact on me too. Like I have my um my off white like oh, on my keychain. Like this is <laughs> like I carry it with me everywhere I go. You know, for the mm-hmm. past like five years since I've had that, and so it's yeah. been it's been pretty crazy actually the past like couple of weeks mm-hmm. yeah going ba- going back to your favorite artist as kanye i mean would you say you have like a favorite album of his oh man it's super super hard for me to pick one um i go back and forth between the life of pablo is probably my most listened to album um but i also just like there, there is no album like graduation um, you know, back in the day. And, and maybe I'm a little bit biased too, because that was the album that really got me into Kanye in a big way. Um, but that, that album is, is unbelievable. There isn't a single track that I skip when I go through it. And so, um, I mean, like I could go through the lists and talk about why, uh, I love every one of those. And one of the biggest things about Kanye that inspires me is like, he doesn't just drop an album. He like creates, creates an entire season of life around these albums and so it's like yeah the music um but the, you know if you see like what he did with um jesus is king it was like he created an, an entire new concert and tour experience with um with sunday service you know mm-hmm. like he's no longer in these giant arenas like he's finding these fields somewhere and then bringing an entire choir and it's in this dome uh, circular um, kind of experience and then the crowd stands around like he creates uh, he, he just kind of reimagines and breaks all barriers of what you would uh, expect uh, a tour to look like you know and he, he does that for most of his shows um, maybe not that out of the box when he goes on tour but like like 
it's not just the album cover and the music, but it's like the outfits he wears, the design of his stage, even the kind of campaign leading up to the launch of that and through the tour, like his whole life gets put into this season of art and music and expression, um, which is always so interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Life of Pablo, that album, and then Father Stretch My... Was it Father Stretch My Hands? Yeah, dude. Dude, that song in the morning, Amp You Up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it's it's one of the best songs ever made, yeah. I think. I used, Yeah, I listened to that song in the morning, just like Amp You Up and stuff. Yeah. Was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, with Chance. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for... Um, Chance and Kanye to be working together soon. Mm. Dang. That's cool. Hmm. What have you kind of been up to currently just in your life? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, just this year I started over here at Honest Media. Um, before that I was at um organization called Pulse. I was there for long time you know even intern during school and then work part-time as I finished up school and so it was you know going on eight years um of having a season there at Pulse and so then you know just felt like it was time for a new season joined the Honest Media team and um it's been incredible you know I've been working with them for years um just kind of like freelance and just friends with the guys um but yeah being able to come on full-time has been a big shift at the same time as I started that job um, was when I, I had my baby boy, uh, my wife and I. And so, yeah, new season of life um, that started over the summer, you know, baby, mm-hmm. um, new job. I also, um, and this is a super long story, maybe we don't want to get all the way into it, but I got COVID over a year ago. And then I'm still dealing with symptoms from it. And so I, I got what's called post-COVID syndrome, uh, a.k.a. long COVID, which a lot of people get, but not everyone got it the way that I did. I was like super, super sick for four or five months. Um, okay. And then and then like right when um, that was another kind of big shift in my life at the same time, like I had we had our baby, I started a new job and my COVID symptoms started to uh get better and so it was like and then the weather was changing because it was beginning of summer and so it was just like this huge it was actually extremely rough season of life for me um you know working from home was tough already you know it's tough for everybody that whole kind of covid season um and then but then also on top of that being like super sick and then having my my wife super pregnant during that time and then I had a three-year-old at home who was like (laughs) trapped and can't go outside because it's you know cold Mm -hmm. my wife can't take her out because she's super pregnant I can't take her out because I'm super sick and then we're not really hanging out with a ton of people because my wife was pregnant we were being pretty safe for COVID reasons you know COVID Mm -hmm. had affected a lot of pregnancies um at least that's what we read and heard at the time. And so we were being pretty safe about COVID stuff. And so it was just like a real, like for seven pretty intense reasons, like it was a tough season. And then like right at that time, like five out of the seven just kind of disappeared. And so, thanks. So yeah, incredible summer, um, incredible fall, starting this incredible winter, um, work and family for the most part. This is what is what I've been up to, man, and and it's been great. One thing you forgot to mention: got the new haircut. Oh, yeah, thank you. Let's go. I did. Chopped it off. Right now, it's a little really like, enjoying the short hair. Yeah, had on just because like, I'm sure I'll miss the long hair eventually, <laughs> and I'll probably start growing it out again. It, it won't be my last time having, having the long, but dude, it was real long. It was like. I, I uh, actually I grew it out to donate it um, and you have to donate a certain length, you know, I think mm-hmm. 14 inches, inches minimum. Um, and so but I was like, I didn't know if I wanted to like completely shave my head. So you, if you want to keep some, you got to grow it out longer than 14. And so mm-hmm. I just kept growing it. And when I was reading about it a little bit more, it was like the longer, the better. And so like grow it out as long as you possibly can so that they can have more, you know, to work with. And so I grew it out as long as I could. And then last week I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to chop this off. I grabbed some scissors and. Oh, you do yourself? (laughs) Dang. So you just like, 
Yeah, just well, I, you, you put it in ponytails yeah. sections, and then you just chop the sections. Okay. And then, and, and then I, I trimmed it up myself, too. Yeah. I was planning to go and get it professionally cleaned up. Mm. Um, but my wife said it looked good, and so did the people at work. So I was yeah. like, all right. I will eventually. I just, it's not nice. a huge priority as yeah. of now. But, That's but cool. I mean, I just took the razor to the, to the sides and back and then evened it out. Mm-hmm. Dang, dude, that's cool. I had a few people um, answer the poll on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Curious about those. I know you got kids too, so I want to be mindful of your time. Oh, no, dude. Um, no <laughs> rush. Had two people send more than one question, which is funny. <laughs> um, hmm, let's see here. Okay, this is a good one. This one's from Katie Vissel, Visselman. Mm-hmm. Did I butcher that? No, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of her questions, she has a few, but I think we kind of covered them briefly. We were chatting. Uh, what is your biggest creative regret? Biggest creative regret? Um, it's a great question. Uh, kind of first thing that comes to mind is, um, and I would say it's still a little bit of a regret, maybe not something super specific, but um, waiting to act on ideas. Um, there, there's just been so many times in my life where I'm like, you know, like years ago, I would have an idea or even like months before I'd have an idea. I'm like, oh man, this would be really sweet. I should start doing that. I plan on doing it. I put some, a little bit of effort into it, write it down, you know, don't have a ton of free time. So I'm not able to get to it. And then it kind of, you know, falls off or doesn't get worked on. And then a year or so later, um, I see it, you know, someone else doing the same idea and it's like super good, super successful. I'm like, oh man, I knew that was a good idea. And like, I should have, I should have done it, you know, and that's on all different levels, you know, business ideas or, uh, even just kind of creative design decisions. Um, and so, yeah, I would say regret. Yeah. Nothing like super specific comes to mind, but, um, but yeah, just like, don't, if you believe in idea, believe in an idea you have, um, just kind of trust your vision and do what you can to see it through. Yeah. Nice. And then we have another one from you, you may know who this is. Who's your favorite coworker? <laughs> That's Ryan. <laughs> and he's not even a coworker. <laughs> and I knew. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was from Caleb. Nice and Caleb. Oh, like, it's from Caleb. And the follow up, why is it Caleb? There nice. it is. There it is. Caleb, Caleb. You're right, man. You knew. Let's go. Sweet. Uh, to finish off the podcast, you kind of did mention something towards like the creative regret, which is good. If you have anything other than that, what would be your biggest piece of advice to your younger self? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that definitely um, what I just answered about creative regret would, would have been in that lane for sure. It's just kind of like really trusting yourself. Um, I'll... I'll give another one. Actually, this one is probably an even bigger piece of advice. Uh, I would just say, um, just never stop learning. I think it doesn't matter how good you get at something or if you think you are the expert in the room, um, even people with, you know, not as much experience as you has a unique perspective and has something to offer for sure. And so like, um, never stop learning there's something that, you know, there's so much, I think we have to learn from the people around us at all different levels of experience. And so never, never feel like, and, and that's another, it reminded me of like a Kanye quote that I love. He always says, always the teacher, always the student, never the teacher. He tweeted it out a couple years ago, I think. <laughs> um, but that just kind of stuck with me in being like, you know, never, never stop learning and absorbing and, you know, be, uh, really observational and be intentional about learning too. A lot of people, they just kind of like go through life and subconsciously 
uh, take in stuff and that's great too. And that'll happen. And a lot of that has to do with shaping us into the artists that we become. It happens kind of in the subconscious. Um, but you can get a lot better, a lot faster if you are super intentional about learning what you can through every season. And so ask questions, write things down. I write, I, I was just telling you about this before we even got started. It's just like when things come to my mind, lessons, um, through experiences or things that people say, quotes from people that, you know, from celebrities that I follow to, you know, like a conversation that I had on the street. If someone says something of value, like write it down because um, you'll probably forget it. And but, you know, if you go back through your notes and think about it more, it will take root in a stronger way. Mm -hmm. I love that. You got to learn through the successes and the failures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, sweet David, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, man, I appreciate, appreciate you it. for coming on and chatting with me. So. Yeah, man, appreciate the opportunity. Super fun time. And yeah, hopefully someone out there hears this and gets inspired. And For sure. Yeah. Let's go. Thank you for tuning into the podcast with David. If you enjoyed it, please send us a DM on Instagram at Behind the Vision Pod or ever underscore north or leave us a review as we love to receive your feedback on the show. If you want to stay up to date on new podcasts and collection drops from Evernorth, check out evernorthco.com. I have not released a collection in a little while, but planning on something for early next year. Thanks again for listening and I hope you have an amazing day.